0: If you're a listener of the show or follow my Insta account, then you know I'm a huge fan of what Instagram can do for your business. But I also know that it is tough to keep up, even if you have staff who could hypothetically do it for you. At my clinic, we outsource our marketing with Molly Cahill's team. So unfortunately, her agency is full at the moment, but that doesn't mean you can't work with Molly. She has something called the Holistic Marketing Hub, and it is a hybrid- done with you program and it's a one-stop shop for chiropractors and other health and wellness pros to not only learn how to use Instagram effectively, but also includes a massive content library of copy and paste chiropractic and other health captions. It has everything you need for you and your team to up your marketing game while not spending all your time coming up with new ideas. So what if you want to hire someone though to do your marketing for you? You're going to love this. She created a detailed job description with a training schedule, deliverables, and even sample pay rate. So let's say you have a mom in your practice who loves your clinic and is looking for something she can do from home. This is perfect. You can grab the free job description, even if you don't join the Holistic Marketing Hub, at mollycahillcom forward slash sheslays. If you do decide to join the hub, make sure to use code sheslays for $200 off. Hey She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays Today Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. Okay, we are officially into 2024, which means that if any of us were writing checks anymore, we would spend the first month accidentally writing 2023. Half of you are too young to even understand that issue that happened with us. Um remember that your Medicare people have like a hundred and some dollar or two hundred and some dollar. Uh, deductible. Let's see, what other kind of reminders do you need? (laughs) Uh, If you're not motivated to set resolutions yet, that's okay. It's just a date. Um, Me personally, we were having a conversation about resolutions with family. And I was talking about how 2023 really felt like a year that I needed to not rest, but kind of rest, like just Just allow certain projects that I had started to continue to play out and just not be pushing so hard. It was a big year of learning control and how a lot of uh, my need for pushing um, has to do with my lack of going with the flow and allowing for flow to happen and just, you know, Um, and shocking, like. December 31st, 2023 at midnight, my brain and body did not decide that it had finished that journey. So going into 2024, feeling very strange, not having like concrete goals and this, you know, and resolutions, because that's how my body, that's how my brain likes. I like checklists. I love checklists. And what is resolutions except a checklist of things you need to do, but do them on repeat? Um. So my brain would feel much more, much better if it was like, we need a plan. We need a better plan for 2024. But like my my heart and like my aura or my soul or whatever, the non-brain part is just going like, hey, you, you've got plans. It's okay. You can just kind of let life happen to you for a little bit more before you start driving the bus again. Um That brings me to uh, a topic. So we don't cover this in our best of episode. Oh, by the way, this is part two of our best of 2023 episode. Um, But this is something that Kirby and I started doing a couple years ago and really love. And you still have time to do it, even though it's in January. You can still do this. Um, And at the annual partner meeting. So a lot of you are probably very familiar with the annual meeting that um you do with your team. If you don't do an annual meeting with your team, even if it's just you and one person, I recommend you do it. Um but we started doing an annual partner meeting, meaning Kirby and I sit down and we talk about the year, what we have planned, what trips we have planned already, what um what kind of trips we want to do, what kind of renovations need, like, you know, what kind of um, expenses do we have coming up, you know, and then we also just talk about how we want to incorporate more time, like it is kind of a resolution, um, but just more let it sharing your heart with your partner about like, where you feel you want growth personally and professionally, spiritually um, in this next year. So there's a whole detailed, a much more detailed description of like the specific questions we go through in episode 191. If you want to scroll all the way back, um, I believe that was in 2022. So I could not make it in today's episode because it's old, Um, but scroll back and give it a listen because I do think that is one of the best things that Kirby and I do um, to really, you know there's there's questions in there talking about the previous year and lessons we've learned. And it's just a beautiful date night um opportunity for you. So we have Grandma watch the kids and we go out to our lake house um and sit and eat pizza and cheers and make plans and And it's great. So I recommend it. So we're gonna jump in to today's episode, but we're gonna pray first. And if you're new to the podcast, um, starting, you know, if you know much about my personality, but you haven't heard exactly why I start each podcast with a prayer, um, it is because I need a moment to recenter myself. Like, I need a moment to remind myself that these conversations are not about me, they're about you listening. Some of the topics that get covered on the podcast are really vulnerable and raw, and sometimes we just need a reminder that we're all doing this together. We are in this together, whether you're a chiropractor or not, whether you own your clinic or not. We are humans going through this experience, and that we cannot do this alone, and we cannot do this On our own will, our own hustle, our own drive, our own patience. And whether you believe in universe or source or God, whatever you want to call it, um, chiropractic is really founded in, in my opinion, um, in this concept of energy from above entering our body, opening our heart space so we can receive Information, whether that's receive information from our own body, receive information from our surroundings, from others, and so I think that it just pairs really well with um, all the messages that we continue to learn from guests, etc. So, take a breath, relax your jaw if you are holding it, let the shoulders drop. Dear God, thank you for all of the blessings that happened in 2023, and please guide us in 2024. Last prayer in part one was really about looking to the past and being grateful. In this prayer, I will look forward and look to what is to come. God, my favorite prayer is short, and it's just make it obvious. God, I don't trust that I am slow enough and present enough and still enough. And so please, God, for me to be able to fully put my trust in you, I need to know, just make it obvious. One of my biggest fears is that my, I'll, I'll miss my opportunity because i wasn't paying attention and that creates so much anxiety in us if we think that we're just one missed opportunity away from you know not fulfilling our purpose so make it obvious please circle back with us if there is a message that we need to learn god use the people in our lives to speak truth to us and use what all of your tools to open up our hearts and receive that message whether it is a change that needs to happen Um, something we need to stop doing, something we need to start doing, someone we need to reach out to, changes we need to make in our business, in our marriage, in our friendships. Um, Maybe we need to start therapy, Uh, but just God, make it obvious. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So we are going to jump in to, oh, definitely one of my favorites, Um, If you're wondering how we pick the best of, maybe you were a guest and you're like, how come I didn't get picked? I'm so sorry. It is hard for me. Like typically we try and keep it to eight. And this year I was like, I'm asking for 10. Um, And so we look at downloads, engagement, shares, um, and just how, how much feedback we got from people on an episode. So episode 229 is Dr. Amy Haas definitely an amazing episode you need to go listen to this entire episode whether you are a chiropractor or not um this is groundbreaking information that we have about chiropractic and research and i'm going to tell you i'm not a research junkie okay like i honestly think research is boring as f and this episode was fascinating so go give the full episode a listen but here is a little teaser On the incredibly intelligent Dr. Amy Haas. I can see why chiropractors just get murdered when we start playing this game that was, I don't know, who started research? Like who who's like I was medicine start research? Who started that? You know, and so
1: how do we how do we communicate it? How Mm -hmm. do we know what we can and can't say? And that's a matter of being very careful, of not saying too much. When chiropractors were making direct claims that getting adjusted would prevent COVID-19, that was problematic Mm -hmm. because as much as they knew that in their hearts, and theoretically, I don't disagree, they did not have the depth of evidence to defend their statement to those who wanted to discredit them. That's the third level of the paper is um, I've told you about the other story arcs. This is the overriding story arc. One mistake that we made uh, a couple of years ago was not recognizing the distinction, very important distinction between evidence-based care, evidence-based medicine, and evidence informed decision-making. What is the difference? Evidence-based care requires you have rct level evidence oh which we don't
0: have right like that's the kind of research like we really don't have we have a couple
2: okay
1: we have two or three that are uh, the, the blood pressure study um, and then julie's study those were really beautifully done two studies hmm. we you know it would be helpful to have more but we also have a bit of a, a problem designing a lot of research studies a very simple question. With people with different subluxation patterns, can they be compared? No.
0: Oh, no. Oh,
1: no. and do we have a control group that we know has no subluxation? No. <laughs> Not- so given the permutation of subluxations within this human vertebral column, um, and Chris Kent recently did an MRI study on this and showed this concretely, it would be extraordinarily difficult for us to conduct RCTs on a population because of the permutation problem. Mm-hmm. So, if that's the case, is evidence based, I, I hate using the word medicine, but you know where I'm going. Yeah, this. Yes, yes. Evidence based care, which requires RCT, the most appropriate uh, criteria of uh, limiting your research? And in my opinion, it's not. I think we have a lot of observational studies, cohort studies, case studies, and clinical experience. Uh, which should be taken into account. And that's the distinction between evidence-based care and evidence-informed care. Evidence-based care, you have to have an RCT. If you don't have an RCT, you're wrong. You cannot defend your statement. That's how we got browbeat. Uh, Mm -hmm. People didn't recognize that we don't have the depth of evidence according to their criteria, very important differentiator, according to their criteria to make our statements.
0: I just, just so like, if I'm getting, I just picture like at a dinner party and, Mm -hmm. uh, this very smart medical doctor goes like, well, you don't have RCTs to practice EBM. And I'd be like, well, I'm not trying to practice EBM. I'm trying to practice E-I-C. Yeah.
1: Evidence informed. Well, he'll be like,
0: oh snap, you just totally schooled me. He'll be like, well, then I don't accept you. Like, can we just say like, well, we don't, we don't care about evidence-based. We're doing evidence-informed.
1: Well, we do. We care about both of them. We want to make sure that we're using- I was just being
0: evidence. sassy to that doctor I do. when I said I, I don't, do.
1: care. Um, <laughs> I don't so care. I don't I, care. I agree with what you said. I'm going to add to it a little bit. So if someone were to say, um, huh, I don't know, maybe 25 years ago, my sister, uh, Julie Haas, who was also a PhD, and she's actually a neuroscientist, uh, when I was in chiropractic school, she turned to me over uh, Thanksgiving dinner with a group of, I think it was like 12 to 15 family members, and turned to me and said, there's no research to support that chiropractic is actually valid. Thanks, Julie. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Everybody at the table was dead silent. And at the time, I had, I didn't have an, a, a good answer. I just sat there kind of shell-shocked. That's one of the reasons, actually, honestly, I thank her for that after that time period i said do we have enough evidence and the question that uh, to speak to that uh, with the conversation you're having with your uh, esteemed colleague your medical doctor over dinner well okay so you're requiring that we follow evidence based practice but here's the thing that's not really appropriate for us because we have more permutations than we can control for for an appropriate rct so Uh, we are actually expanding our horizons to take into account observational evidence, which is very valid, absolutely. Yes, sometimes it can have some uh, problems with internal bias, I get that. But when you have enough studies that say the same thing, you got to listen to them. And so that's the distinction. Evidence-based is a limitation. Evidence-informed care is a broader reaching assessment of literature as a whole. So if I were to put that a different way, The uh, WFC, when they put out their uh, very flawed um, white paper on, you can't say this because we don't have the right evidence, they were trying to write the rules. They were trying to say, according to our rules, you can't make these statements. And my answer to that is, I don't agree to your rules because they're not appropriate. We need to rethink what those rules should and should not be. And your limited assessment, your limited biased assessment of seven studies that you put forth as evidence that we can't make these statements is unto itself very biased. So you violated your own premise, so to speak. And instead, we need to look at the broader literatures and ask questions like, can this be helpful? So evidence-informed care, I think, is a better paradigm for reading chiropractic literature most importantly because that acknowledges health freedom. That acknowledges patients' right to hear different forms of evidence. It acknowledges our right to speak different forms of evidence and speak of our own clinical experience because the amount of clinical experience uh, amongst, let's say, roughly 50,000 chiropractors in the U.S. who see this every day, and I do, I do. The reason I feel strongly about the impact of adjustment of vertebral subluxation, uh, eliciting non-neuromusculoskeletal effects is that I see it every day in practice. I have that clinical experience. I see it. No, it's not an RCT, but if we put together 50,000 chiropractors who are all seeing the same thing, that comprises evidence. Let's take a super, super like, Holy fuck. Super simple example of that. Okay. You're in practice, right? Mm -hmm. You ever see one of your patients sleep better after an adjustment? (laughs) Yeah. We're done. Let me explain that a little bit. 50,000 chiropractors. If we all observe that our patients sleep better after adjustments, that comprises clinical evidence, experiential clinical evidence. What does sleep do? Sleep helps to regulate hormone balance. Sleep helps to govern repair and growth, brain health. Sleep is an essential element of human health. If we are impacting a human's ability to achieve deeper or better sleep, we are impacting their overall health. Game over.
0: Okay, so you know from that clip, I hope you can tell that like Amy's incredibly intelligent, but the, in the episode she breaks it down. I am not afraid to ask dumb questions um, because I really want everyone listening, whether they're a chiropractor or not, to walk away from that episode having uh, feeling a lot more empowered to be bold with talking about chiropractic. So go listen; it's great. The next one we're gonna change uh, change course a little bit. And we're switching into business. Um, So this is Samantha Varner, and this is episode 207. And this was one that I definitely got uh, people messaging me about, like, hey, are you going to work with Samantha? Like, it really prompted some uncomfortable things, uh, looking at our practice more as a consultant with less emotion. Um, and this is the chiropractor versus entrepreneur, and being the salesperson of your business. This conversation gave me kind of the boost that I needed to raise my prices at my clinic. And again, just look at my business from a uh, less of an emotional standpoint and more of that business mindset. So great episode for you, clinic owners, to go listen to the whole thing. But here is episode two hundred seven with Samantha Varner. Well, like, hey. So- Chiropractic school is really interesting. I think it's kind of changing. I mean, I graduated 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and when I talk to students now, it feels like it's changing, but ultimately it's still kind of the same thing that like most people are not entrepreneurs. Like right. They're, they're the chiropractor first, business second. They chose chiropractic not because they love entrepreneurship. Right. Chiropractic school does this real, or just chiropractic profession in general, does a really good job of making you feel like a complete loser if you are working for somebody else. You know, like I was um, talking to a friend and she was saying like, it's so messed up because like, you would never talk to a doc, like a medical doctor. And they would be like, oh, I'm just a surgeon. Like, I'm just just, a hospitalist. I just work work for the hospital. I don't actually own the hospital, but within chiropractic, it's like, oh, you're just an associate doctor. And so I, rumor is when I talk to like chiropractors who coach a lot um, and are really in this realm is that there's only like 20% of chiropractors who are cut out to be running a business But the percentage that go into eventually owning their own within a few years is like way over 80%. And so I'm just kind of like trying to figure out like, you know, what are some of those cues that like, hey, maybe you did find yourself in a business and you're, um, you know, maybe it's time to reevaluate like exit stage, right? (laughs) Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it could be two things. I think one, it is skills that you can develop, right? So it, it is, if you find somebody that can coach you, that can help you, that can like walk you through and then holding you accountable to that, despite the fact you've got a massive patient load and you've got to work with people day in, day out. And so then you have to really take time carve that out for yourself so you can bird's eye view the rest of what you're trying to do. Um, I think you can still learn to do it. I think it's it's not like an innate skill that we have like curling our tongue, right? You can you can figure out how to be a business owner if you want to. But I I do think there is a good point there where it's like there is maybe it is having that conversation more broadly to be like there is nothing wrong with and you can still make good income not owning a chiropractic practice yourself but actually billing as part of a joint venture. And that comes back to our chiropractic businesses set up to support the doctors that don't want to.
0: Yes. I was going to say, like, you're really good at this, by the way. Like for somebody who does not know much, I was like, oh, well, we just came full circle back to like, well, a lot of chiropractors can't afford to pay an associate doctor what they want to pay them because their profitability sucks. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's a little bit of like chicken egg problem, right? Where it's like, what is the problem? Is the problem that chiropractic school doesn't teach you how to have a business? Probably. Is it that once you get into the industry, you're forced kind of subliminally, but still forced into being your practice owner. And then you have no training on how to be a practice owner. So good luck with that. Like just jump in the pool and hopefully you won't die. But then the only way it seems to make enough money to even feed yourself is to see so many patients. You have no time to do business. Oops. This is a terrible plan. Like, Damn, business, I hate you, you know, <laughs> it's like shit, right? Uh-huh. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. And so that's why people like me are employable because I can, you know, there's one thing where if your industry is not training people to run the business and you guys aren't alone, like this is I see this with lawyers, I see this with private practice doctors, I see this with dentists. Dentists and and um, orthodontists get a little bit more in their programs with running a business, but it's still very like cursory. Like, here's a little information, you might need this eventually. And then they're like, yeah, I needed a lot more than that. Yeah, but okay. yeah. And it's just that willingness to be like, okay, this is part of what I need to do to grow as a business owner. So if I own my own private practice and anything, I need some support. What does that look like for me? How do I learn best? What do I have capacity for? And then finding that, right? And be willing to ask the questions, whether it's leaning on your accountant, leaning on your bookkeeper to help you with the math piece of it, and just walking you through that, Mm -hmm. Um, getting better at sales, getting better at your marketing, leaning on a marketing agency that can help bring business in, or doing it from kind of an organic standpoint, depending on where you are in your business. And how you want to do it but getting help I think too many business owners in every industry just struggle along for a really long time before they're like this I'm this is not better I am really frustrated and now I'm getting underwater and I can't how do I fix this before I give up right so okay so we were at you we're at you so the next part we go to is one of my favorites is kind of sales and promotion. Yeah. So really figuring out like, Oh, wait, my job is actually the salesperson of my company. Nobody wants that. No, everybody's like, I, I'm not the salesperson when I speak in a room and I'm like, okay, so your one number one job is what? And they're like, we're the business owner, whatever. And I'm like, Nope, you're the salesperson. They're all like, Oh, I don't want to be the sale. Like again, that negative connotation, but it's, you are the passionate person behind what you're offering for patients. And you have to be the voice of that out in the community to pull people in, right? To engage, to network, to create opportunities for people to know who you are beyond just walking by your storefront. That's not going to probably cut it.
0: Oh, that's good. So like, I love hearing sales um, advice from non-chiropractors, because I'm so in the world of like, yeah. and so, okay. So is what you're saying is that as like an entrepreneur kind of like replaces themselves and they get their time back, what they really need to do is, in, is get out into the yeah. community and be networking. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. That's what I
3: had to do when I first started. Now, I don't need to do that anymore. And they're wrong. That's what you're saying. They're wrong. They're wrong because the more you can create a band of ambassadors that are out in the world, and this goes for any business. If you can create 30 people in your community that talk about you, even when you're not in the room, that discuss how great your business is, that are really talking about you in comparison to your competitors that are sending you, you know, you have somebody who's in physiotherapy and they're like, but physiotherapy goes hand in hand with the chiropractor. So how do we build a partnership there where we're cross-referring each other? How do we know where like this comes first, then this comes first, or you went there thinking that was the solution, but physical therapy isn't the solution right now. Chiropractic is the solution or deep tissue massage is the solution or whatever it is, or it's part of the care plan that's all integrated. All of those things are sales methodologies, right?
4: Mm -hmm. And
3: if you do that, so you've got, hopefully, everybody that's listening, if you're not doing this right now, you need to be getting like patient reviews that are telling other consumer people how great you are, what great experience they've had, what results have been, etc, etc. But you need that from a bigger standpoint, where somebody who has a patient base of a 1000 patients is also talking about you to their patients, because you both work in tandem. And making those relationships, that's easy. Because it's like, well, Tim said I needed to just come see you. Well, you've already established, you barely have to do anything to convince Tim's patients and for your patients to be convinced that Tim is the next step too, right? And it's reciprocal. So there's a lot of strategies in that way that you can do to build up your patient base, which allows you to fill up everybody's schedule and then expand or get rid of some of your schedule so that you have time to do more of that piece.
0: Yeah, can do you have any other strategies cuz um since we're in this and I just love talking about sales. So like what you said was uh basically leveraging other professionals that you work yeah. in collaboration with. Um yeah. and how do you what's your best advice for so like for instance, yeah a chiropr- so our audience uh tends to be a lot of prenatal, pediatric Chiropractors, and so our best, our best people would be uh, pediatricians, midwives, OBs. Midwives are easier because mm-hmm. they're a lot of self-employed, but yeah. like pediatricians and OBs are like, I don't need you. You need me. And so, like, what's some of your best advice as like creating that relationship where maybe the other collaborating salesperson? Doesn't want like doesn't have time
3: for you. Yeah, doesn't have time. Okay, so the first question I would say to you is like, okay, think outside the box on who those people have to be. Okay. If you are banging your head against the wall to get the OB to get on board, maybe that's not the right person, mm-hmm. right? And are they restricted in any ways, kind of, to be saying, hey, you should go to chiropractic, hey, you should go, to-, right? So there's yeah. somewhat they're somewhat in a legal bind so even if they personally believe in the strength of doing this as part of your prenatal planning they might not be able to right Mm -hmm. they're bound by whatever the the practices that they're dealing with so what if you went to um ultrasound clinics that are all privately owned yeah right and they're especially the ones that are doing like the 4d ultrasounds and things like that Mm -hmm. um So they're getting their patients at the very beginning to confirm, right? If people are freaking out, they're having an early ultrasound, then they're getting the 20 week ultrasound. So then people are starting to get really excited about where they're at. And if they're starting to kind of have physical problems as a result of giant babies leaning on their pelvis, um, that's when it's going to start to kind of manifest and you can probably get a bit of ahead of it. I would imagine if you're starting to do care then and Then you're getting the 40 ultrasounds, which is later in the pregnancy when the baby's getting really big and kind of squishy in there. And then you're ending up with the people who are like, hey, my baby's breech. Let's take a look and see if they are still indeed breech because we can't tell the bum from the head when we're doing that. Those people like prenatal photography. That would be another one where they own their business privately. They could recommend you Mm -hmm. you know when somebody comes into those sessions and they're whining and complaining about like, my hips hurt, my back hurts. I've got brutal indigestion, whatever their things are. If you have a great relationship with the best prenatal photographers in your area, you could have them say like, Hey, you know what? I know. Here's a couple of ideas. Women share like that. Right. And it happens all the time.
0: Yeah, that's good. You're good. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So S was sales.
3: Yep. So sales and promotion. So like figuring out and being creative and then not holding yourself into the box that is your industry. So looking at other industries for other ways that you could potentially create greater results. I think we do get stuck in that, like, well, everybody else is doing this, right? You're in that like Instagram bubble of All the people I follow on Instagram that are in my industry are doing a certain thing or they're offering a certain program or whatever it looks like, how could we be different? What would make us stand apart? And you don't have to reinvent the wheel, just steal it from somebody else's industry and be like, well, that person over there is doing, that's interesting. Okay, let's see if that would work. Is that appealing for my clients? And that kind of thing can happen quite quickly, right? You can stumble upon something that you're like, what do I love? What business has really appealed to me lately? in the world that has an idea that it's like, oh, yes, I could implement, how could we do that? How could we do a ladies night? How could we do, I don't know, like any sort of activities like that where you're just getting people into the office to meet the staff, to engage in the environment, to understand and then incentives to book their first appointments, right? Or okay. to bring a friend or whatever yep. that may be. be. Yeah.
0: Hey, She Slayers, real quick, if you're in the scaling stage of practice and your clinic is looking for an associate, be sure to check out advertising on my Instagram and Facebook socials page. It can take months and months to find the right fit for your clinic, and posting anywhere and everywhere you can can shorten the amount of time that that takes. So in addition to posting on Facebook groups and state association classifies, get your ad viewed by thousands of chiropractic students and new grads who follow She Slays the Day click the link below to apply for next month's ad. We only take nine each month and it's first come, first serve. And if you're a student or new grad who wants to make sure you get those monthly ads, click the other link below to make sure you get each month's new job listings delivered straight to your inbox. Back to the episode. As a chiropractor who's deeply passionate about providing the best care, I've got a secret weapon I wanna share with you. Genesis Chiropractic Software. My journey with Genesis started 13 years ago, and back then I was juggling insurance claims and Genesis was a lifesaver. It streamlined the whole insurance process, making it seamless and stress-free. But here's the kicker. Even after I transitioned to a cash-based practice, Genesis continued to be an indispensable part of my clinics. Why do I stick with Genesis? Because it's more than just software. It's a comprehensive solution that adapts to your practice's needs. When I went from one clinic to two, it could have been a logistical nightmare, but thanks to Genesis being cloud-based, I can manage both clinics effortlessly, anytime, anywhere. It keeps me on top of my patient records and provides invaluable data to analyze the health of my clinics. The insights help me make informed decisions to continually improve. And now I'm excited to offer something special to my She Slays listeners. When you visit genesischiropracticsoftware.com forward slash She Slays, you'll get an exclusive discount on Genesis Chiropractic Software. Whether you're dealing with insurance or running a cash-based practice, Genesis is the versatile tool that will elevate your chiropractic business. So don't wait, take your practice to the next level. Head over to genesischiropracticsoftware.com forward slash She Slays for your exclusive discount. Trust me, with Genesis, you're not just surviving in your practice, you're thriving. Okay, next episode is, uh, this was the first male allowed on to the She Slays the Day podcast. Um, This is episode 203. Yes, it took us 203 episodes to have a boy on. And if you go listen to episodes 100 to 200, you'll hear my... um, Slowly, like, probably talk about it like 10, 15 times of like, you guys, we need to let the boys on. It doesn't feel good anymore to just have girl, Uh, but it needed to be the right guy. Uh, And Ben Tapper was the right guy. If you don't, if you live under a rock and haven't heard of Dr. Ben Tapper, he is an incredibly philosophical chiropractor who kind of skyrocketed to fame during the pandemic with his. just strong goal towards bringing truth, bringing truth during a time where we really knew very little and we were isolated from truth. Uh, He stands up against censorship. He is very, very smart. (laughs) Um, This episode, go back and listen to episode 203 if you haven't, because you will get schooled on vaccines. And what they're, what's happening in our body, like just absolutely put me to shame as far as like my knowledge of what's going on within the body. So smart, so so smart. Uh, he says he would. One of the questions I ask him in his episode is basically toward, is towards the end, and I ask like, would you be willing, like, are do you still have an open mind on vaccines, or would you be willing? you know, like, or are you close-minded that they're the word? you know, I don't know how I asked it. It was a long time ago, but like, but I was nervous to ask it because it was kind of asking, like, have you closed, is the jury out for you and you will never change your mind? And he said he reads all the research, the good and the bad on it. And I truly believe that what he says when he would politely debate anyone on vaccines because he's so smart and I, hey, I would I would uh, vote for him in a debate uh, if we needed a representative. I'm just saying he'd be my vote. So here is my episode with Dr. Ben Tapper and the need for chiropractors to stand up and fight for their place in medical freedom. You obviously have it's hard to like argue like because like I'm kind of on your side. So but like there are chiropractors who went into chiropractic for to serve. In their mind, well, no, in their hearts, they're serving, but they're doing it a very, very different way. You know, these might be chiropractors that signed up, like got the vaccine, encouraged the vaccine, you know, like just a completely like different mindset than maybe a more like where we originated. But like in their heart, they're they're serving. So where does that sit with you? Like, can you can you be okay? going like all right you're not serving how i would do it but like good for you you do you or does that piss you off
5: so the docs that are pushing the COVID vaccine is that your question like what Eh, no just like like, you
0: you brought up chiropractors like that aren't in it in your mind you know like they're doing it for the wrong reasons but like if? what about the chiropractors who are practicing completely differently than you philosophically do not believe in wellness care. Don't believe children to be adjusted, like very rehab. We know, like, you know, we know that these chiropractors are there and I don't think they're bad or whatever, but they definitely practice differently than me. They have different beliefs. They think that philosophy is kind of wasted, but they're still serving their patients in their way. Does it frustrate you?
5: Oh, totally. I mean, I've had many run ins with docs like that, especially started curling baloney. I had to educate a lot of these docs on the immune system and the nervous system. I mean, obviously, the nervous system controls the immune system. And so mm-hmm. there were docs that were trying to send me articles that the immune system and nervous system are not related and all this other garbage, and that the adjustments don't do anything for the immune system. And it just, it, it literally just, you know, I was seeing red, my blood pressure was through the roof. I just, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where we need to educate these docs. I feel like these docs are given the profession a bad name. Now it, it doesn't bother me. If you want to go do different things in chiropractic or implement different things in your office or therapies or modalities, I don't, I can care less about that. But as long as you understand them, what we do, I mean, don't downgrade chiropractic or don't uh, bash it and don't. So, I mean, the frustration is that they have a, they're misrepresenting the profession And they, they don't fully understand what we do. And so, I mean, it's, and that's, you know, that's the frustrating part. And so I believe that chiropractic is one of the most unique professions out there. I think it's the, it's one of the most, it's the greatest profession, in my opinion, out there, excuse me. But again, it's really all about the, the, you know, like what Reggie Gold said, the restoration and, and maintenance of the integrity of the nervous system. And that's what it's all about.
0: I would imagine some of your, I mean, were some, is it fair to say that some of your biggest haters were chiropractors over the last couple of years or like not even remotely compared to the hate thing? Well,
5: that's fair to say. I mean, I I pissed off a lot of the world. I mean, Because
0: you're saying they are misrepresenting the profession. And I would imagine that's exactly what they were angry at you for. Like you're making us look bad. You're making us look like quacks type of thing.
5: Well, here's the thing. Let me just give you a a recap. So I educated, my dad fought back the vaccine industry since the 70s. I was never vaccinated, caused a massive wedge in the family. My aunt and uncle are a pharmacist, and they always wonder why my dad didn't vaccinate us, right? So I never vaccinated my kids. I've been fighting this fight for over 10 years in the vaccine industry, trying to shine light on it, educate as many people. I put on vaccine seminars. I put on influenza workshops and say, look, there's manipulation of data with a subdivision of uh, the CDC called the National Bottle Reporting System. I would talk about the manipulation of numbers, how they're there to push the influenza vaccine, how they always add comorbidities. uh, And I would follow the narrative in legislation very closely. And I would talk about how they're Pushing an agenda, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what they were planning on doing. I mean, the World Health Organization in 2019 stated that the greatest threat are those who refuse vaccinations. They need to come after people with disinformation. You have the ACIP, which is Advisory Committee for Immunization Practices, state that you know the greatest, um, or I'm sorry, they said that they can't force vaccinate, but they can force compliance. Okay, so that was all going on, and so in 2019, I held a seminar, and I was pushing, you know, trying to get this information out there, and so early on, you know, I had patients on Facebook, social media, uh, got me in trouble with a lot of caros early on, because not everybody, there was a lot of caros on my side, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But the ones that we're talking about here, they, I had a patient ask me, Dr. Happer, are you saying that I should come see you if you got it? If, if I have corona? I'm like, yeah, come see me. It's the best thing you can do. Right? I didn't wear a mask in my office. I didn't I I didn't have stickers on my door, my floor. You know, I put hands on every patient. i my office was a normal place. Right. And so doctors took screenshot of that, what I posted and they're like, Oh, Dr. Tapper saying that chiropractic can cure COVID and, oh, and he's telling patients to come in his office. And, and so, you know, and that's the thing too. And I would tell these doctors, how many patients do I have to see? How many violations do I have to be in or break before the whole contagion claim is mathematically impossible. And so, you know, you know, we, we average 300 people a week during the whole pandemic and and not once did I get sick and and here I am today I, I'm on un, unvaccinated and I'm, I've yet to get sick and so what does that tell tell you and so I would have to educate these doctors too because they were telling me that he's he's saying that the, it can help boost the immune system well I, it baffles me the frustration part is because you know BJ Palmer wrote a book or sorry in the beacon, during the Spanish flu. And uh, and he wrote in there, a few fearful physicians forced funny frivolous for a few frenzied folks. And he talked about the-
0: How did the, the hell did you memorize that sentence?
5: <laughs> I, <laughs> that I, is
0: I, like the most tongue twister ever. Okay, right, it say it one more twist. time.
5: It's a few, uh, oh my goodness, now you're gonna put me on the oh, spot. I'm so
0: sorry, I got in your head. <laughs>
5: um, a few fearful physicians forced few, uh, funny frivolous for a few frenzied folks. And so basically it was about the Spanish flu and, and the manipulation of data and how there was fear-mongering to coerce people into getting the experimental influenza vaccine. Okay, we are literally reliving Mm -hmm. the era of BJ's time. And so now I apologize, but is your audience mostly Kairos? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Doctors, listen, Mm -hmm. this is our time to be bold, to stand the ground, to be the pioneers in our field the same soil that was rich during DJ Palmer's time is rich today and we need to understand that because he wrote the book or the, the beacon article the Spanish flu and he and he shined the light on it and all they did was it created chiropractic to sprout And so we need our second generation chiropractors and that same soil is rich today. They pushed an experimental garbage and flu influenza vaccine 100 years ago. They use the, they weaponized the common cold, and they did the same song and dance a hundred years ago. And we are literally uh, reliving history here. And so it is vitally important that we recognize that because the people are starving for it, and the tides have turned right now in the favor of true health. People are 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 they're begging for this information. And so we need to be the pioneers in this field and educate the masses, not only on just the, cro- the the crony baloney and the COVID vaccine and all this nonsense, but on all vaccines. I mean, it goes against physiology, it goes against the way God made the, the immune system, the nervous system. And so that's what it's all about. And you know, and so that's that's my heart to to yep. to, to, to for these chiros to really take the reins of this mess because the time is now. It really is.
0: Okay. I like how we're bouncing back and forth um, between topics because now we are taking another pivot and we're going into money myths. 2023. Well, actually, okay. 2021 and 2022 were years for me where Kirby and I really started to get very strategic about um, our long-term plan. We're going to be empty nesters at 48 and freedom is something that's very important to me that I wanted to make sure we didn't get to 48. And I was like, oh, we're empty nest. Like, I want I want more freedom now that our kids are gone, but I have this clinic over here. Um, and so we started really, well, I should say I started, Kirby has a finance and consulting degree, but I started really getting invested into long-term money decisions that we should be making uh, and just starting to get smart because I'm definitely the spender of the family. um, And he's the investor. And so once we started to create goals together, it allowed us to get on the same page and, you know, really increase the chances that we are going to reach those goals in time. So 2023 was a year where I really opened up the podcast to some of these conversations around money. You know, last year was the first year that we had the multi-passionate chiropractor. Quick plug, if it is before January 22nd, that you still might have a chance to join our 2024 program where we're talking about all, you know, how to get chiropractors uh, thinking about money, their money in a different way, getting it working for them and not being chained to this one career that we love so much, but can really, the joy can get squeezed out of it when all of our eggs are in that basket to make all of our money from chiropractic. Um, And so Stephanie Walter is in episode 199, and the title of this is Explaining Money Myths. Mind-blowing episode. If you are even remotely interested in starting to make your money work for you, go back and listen to this episode. Um, Oh my gosh. Just... Crazy. I think at one point my jaws just dropped. And I'm like, what? No, that can't be true. Um, but we just talk about how a lot of us were, you know, if you have boomers or gen X as parents, um, it we were, I don't want to say brainwashed, they were brainwashed. And then we kind of were continued, millennials were continued to be told, just go get your education and it will pay off. And then we have all of this debt and are holding substantially less wealth. Uh, in the prime of our life, than previous generations were. So, okay, I'm not going to spoil spoil more beans, spill beans, spoil the sauce. What do we spoil? Just spoiler. No, okay. Anyways, we're not spilling any more beans. Go li- or listen to this segment, and then if you love it, go back and listen to Stephanie Walter in episode 199. So, like so- even my even my like visceral reaction to the like hearing two really cool things is like, ah, what's the catch? Where's the thing? Is this tethered to a lot of like the myths that you talk about that we have as a society?
2: Yes. Yep. It is. It's a, uh, it's definitely uh, why I wrote this book because I want to talk about myths that are pervasive and, Unfortunately, I think the sad thing is that most of the myths that we know about have been perpetuated by the financial institutions that make tons and tons of money um, based on your money sitting with them. Well, I
0: mean, any chiropractor, I mean, chiropractors are very comfortable with this and big pharma. So like we, we can attach to that, like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense that that could happen. So what are some of those myths?
2: Well, I think the big the big myth is, um, you know, the mindset of being utilizing your money rather than accumulating your money. Mm -hmm. We have all been taught since young ages that we put the money aside, we'll start at 20 and we'll start contributing in 401k or whatever. For 30 years, and then all of a sudden they'll give your money back. But what you don't realize is you're turning your money over to this institution that's making money on you all along. Um, Their goal is to hold your money as long as they can and give it back as slow as they can. Well, this, this, these goals describe what happens in an IRA. And I mean, I I have it somewhere in my book, I, I apologize, not right offhand. But the wealth that's in the 401k right now um is is staggering and so it's um something that they make a great deal of money perpetuating these myths for people so i say like if someone's skeptical you know if you want to stay in the 401k i'm not going right. to you
0: know yeah go ahead and do it
2: <laughs> but i say just look into truly diversifying, which means non-market related assets. Right. And well, so,
0: I mean, I feel like my husband and I will get a little bit of this um, worry when we talk to our parents about, you know, like, and there is no good debt, bad debt in previous generations. It's just like this kind of this idea that like debt is bad. You know, um, I, my husband tells a story about how like, buying a car even back then, like they had to save up for a car because it was like 30% interest on a car. And so it's that, that mindset that like, you know, we, we bought, we have multiple commercial buildings that we own. And like, I can just tell every time we like buy one, our parents are just like getting more and more nervous about like, that's that's a lot of debt I'm like right but like it's gonna be cash flow positive and this and that it's just like a completely different getting your money to work
2: for you that's right and there I think uh Robert Kiyosaki I have a couple quotes of his in my book but he he says you know the type of advice you seek is you know tells you where you're going to end up from the different people. So like a Dave Ramsey and a and a Susie Orman who talk very much about lowering the debt, budgeting, getting yourself debt-free um, is the way to get to wealth, really hasn't, isn't. I don't believe that is true. But like you, the more sophisticated or understanding people are to these, these outside concepts, these concepts that are, uh, have been here forever. I mean, these co- these companies we're working with are banks that have been around, and insurance companies that have been around for hundreds of years. So these are very stable um, things, but people just have not heard of them, uh, because in our traditional uh, personal finance discussions that we get at school, they, nobody talks about this stuff. No. <laughs> well,
0: Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question. It it might come across like an asshole thing, not to you, um, but like you'll you'll understand. There's kind of some landmines here. I once heard someone on a podcast call out that like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman are super successful because most of America doesn't have any money. Most of America is uh, you know at a certain lower socioeconomic status, and so that is good advice for a lower socioeconomic, but it's not necessarily good advice if you are in upper middle class or, you know, like a special
2: nailed it on the head is yes that is their bread and butter and the true the fact is is that there should be different levels of advice for different people but there simply hasn't been and so i found and you know uh that the you know busy professional the you know attorney chiropractor doctor uh these people are very underserved By financial planners. They they just simply are. And you hit
0: it, we don't learn jack shit about any of this stuff. Like taking
2: the crazy thing is, is if you went to college and you took a finance class about corporate finance strategies, all of these, all of these things I'm talking about will come up, finding cash flow finding leveraging into these assets that grow with very low risk to them. These are all strategies that corporate people or corporations, not corporate people, corporations use to build their wealth. But our personal finance strategy is that we're taught is very much like what Dave Ramsey um, and Susie Orman talk about. And they're just there there are different levels and, and like I said, the the high performing person is usually underserved by Mm -hmm. by the typical financial planner.
0: How is angel investing different than syndication?
2: Angel investing is for venture capital. Now I have a lot of wealthy people that invest in venture capital too. In fact, um, most of my, if I did an asset allocation of my, you know, my group of investors, I would tell you that um, probably 20% are in the stock market. Uh, 20, I mean, 20% of their portfolios in the stock market. 30% is in venture capital, 30% is in real estate. And then 30 percent, and then the rest is just in you know little fun stuff for them to play with. Okay. But their solid ones are and real are real estate and venture capital. Venture capital is um people that are seeking um money for their businesses. Shark tank. It's yeah. shark tank, right? Okay. <laughs> Bigger, bigger companies usually, and you can be in different stages of companies that are looking for, you know, to expand or whatnot. But again, the reason that the wealthy people enjoy these these types of, of things is instead of investing in the stock market where you could be in a mutual fund and you don't know anything, I to ask. Tell me one thing about one of the companies you're invested in. Tell me about a CEO. Tell me about something. They won't be able to tell you a thing. Whereas when you're investing in venture capital, you know what their strategy is, what the background is, what the CEO and the the team up front is planning to do, what their experience is. Have they done it before? So I would argue that wealthy people are much closely tied to what they're investing in they're very um concerned with investing in teams of people that do what they want to do Bet much better that they know that this is not their thing but yet they're going to bet for the best person to do this for them and then they invest in it
0: got it um okay do you have time for one more myth because i i i want to hear another one
2: um let's see where where do we go in uh I think we talked about the 401k. I think, oh, a big one is um most people, and this drives me insanely crazy. Is you'll go to a financial planner and actually sidebar, I, I had my series six and seven for years um, when I was an insurance agent. And what I would do when I go in to talk to someone is okay, so how old are you? What are your assets? What's your experience in the market? What's your risk tolerance? Can you tolerate like a lot of risk or not so much risk? And the idea is that the more risk you can tolerate, the more money you're going to be able to make. And that is completely the opposite of what um, the reality of the wealthy investor, they want to look for things that are extremely low risk. And um, there is no correlation to high returns and high risk tolerance. So, you know, and I I think that's a, that's a huge myth. I don't know that it'll ever go away, Um, but it, it, it's not that that's what we're told. Do you
0: think we're just kind of obsessed with that rags to riches overnight story that like winning the lottery ticket, striking gold, like it's kind of like innately in us that like
2: and it's like the yeah the exactly but you know your investment your money should not be gambled i mean your it's your money and it is very much like you know, I, I never met anyone in my time when I was uh, advising people like a financial planner would that ever knew when something was coming down the pike like a 2008, ne- never knew, never never had a clue, never advised their clients, never, because they don't know. Right. They don't know any, any more than you do. That's the sad part of most financials. That's
0: terrifying, yeah. Yeah, because I really don't know a lot. Okay, our final clip from our best of 2023 it was absolutely one of our most engaged episodes. I was getting DMs. Thank God I was not getting pictures from y'all because this was about a parasite cleanse. Um, we had Kim Rogers on for episode 213 talking about parasites and cleansing and where we could pick up parasites and uh, it, it definitely woke some of us up. Let's just say I've had some patients listen to the, this episode multiple times. Uh, Kirby and I have done, we've, we've done two months of cleansing. Um, because if you've done like cell core before, the big thing about Kim Rogers program is that it is gentler on the system. So our kids were able to do it. I've had some patients that have done cell core, um, And, or like Kairos have told me, like I did Cellcore and it beat me up. I haven't been right ever since. So Cellcore is intense and I wouldn't necessarily have my kids go on it. Uh, But my kids did Kim Rogers tinctures, um, and, you know, they're gentler that we can do, we now are at a place, once we did two months of them, we do about a week of cleansing, uh, like three days before and three days after every full moon. That's because that's when melatonin is at its lowest. And uh, the parasites are most active because we have the most serotonin. And they like to go through our blood chomping on our serotonin. Ew, 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 ew. Um, so like I said, I definitely got some DMs from this one. No pictures. Thank you. Uh, if you are interested in doing Kim Rogers Rogers Hood Cleanse, make sure at checkout you use promo code SHESLAYS, all caps, all one word, and you can save 10% on your entire order. I recommend starting with a Parify kit. Um and then, yeah, we're going to Mexico. And so like our family's already talked, me. You know, I ordered my kit yesterday because when we get back, we will all do probably at least two or three weeks of cleansing because that's one of the things she says. If you've ever been to Mexico, you need to do a cleanse. So uh, here is Kim Rogers and what the cleanse process can look like for our people. So how young can someone detox or yeah do this?
4: With Perify, we say age three and up. Okay, we went off of the most strict herb, which was uh, wormwood, wormwood says three and up can do it. So any, any child below three, we just say you need to do zeolite. Um, that helps remove the heavy metals, which then releases the parasites, but it doesn't necessarily kill the parasites. And that's the issue. You're at least getting it to a
0: point where it's manageable. Okay. So what is, what would somebody expect? I mean, obviously it depends on how many parasites and where, but like, is it, are you tired? Are you getting headaches? Mm -hmm. Are you like, what is the process? Like, do you have to eat certain ways? Like how long does it take? So it can, our kids 30
4: days, but some companies do like 90 days, hundred, you know, We, I just didn't want to make someone buy a 90 day kit and then they're like, this is just not for me. And then they spent all this money. So we say 30 days, see what happens. And it's a hundred dollars. So it's like, well, I mean, if if all of a sudden you're six days in, you spent a hundred dollars and it works great. You're six days in. I mean, it could take it could take 30 plus days. Like you're making your body inhospitable the best way that you can for them to not live in you anymore. And so you do have a diet that you should follow, but it's a guide no meat, no alcohol, no carbs. And yeah, I mean, but the thing is, is like, my husband doesn't ever follow it. And he has very successful cleanses, but his cleanses are a little longer. And he has maybe a few more die offs than um, I do, just because, you know, not anymore. But when we were doing it, he had way more die offs. That's what we call them when they're dying off. Obviously, the word die off should make you think that like, things are dying in you because they are, you're literally taking herbs to kill things in you to get rid of them. So flu-like symptoms, headache is pretty common. Huge breakouts is very common. So, you know, those are kind of the common things that when you're going through a process of detoxing, you're
0: going to have happen. So I'm assuming but the-, the meat is because you don't want to be just adding more parasites. Yeah. in
4: that and they like it like you're trying to not feed them you're trying to rid them and so you're trying to not make them stronger you're trying
0: to weaken them so I mean it sounded like you're just eating fruits and vegetables you can eat
4: white meat and
0: grass-fed beef
4: but okay if you really want to push through like a lot of cleansers just the more you cut the diet And make it the easier, but just because you don't do it doesn't mean it's not going to work. So I think that that's kind of where an indoctrination happened to us, where we were told, "Oh, if you drink, you know, if you drink milk with this antibiotic, it's not going to work anymore." That's not really the way herbs work, but you know, you're trying to rid your body of them. So we try and tell you, like, do the best you can by not taking on the food that we say not to take. But you're still going to have a successful cleanse.
0: What is the grossest or weirdest story you've had a client or patient who's bought the pair I tell you?
4: Oh my God. There's so many. I bet. Cause is. we've sold like tens of thousands of these kits. We're so busy. We do like a thousand a week of kits. It's, it's quite insane. It's quite insane how busy we are.
0: So, um, yeah. So people are just it's just mostly stuff that's coming out in their bowels yeah and then bowels. how do they you had said something about testing so like if i do the parify and i'm mm-hmm. like looking at my poop and i'm like well there's nothing swimming in there yeah um and i'm feeling normal and no change like do i would you say then like send your poop in and get it tested yeah
4: yeah who's testing so my poop uh parasites.org is a company don't mail that it to through They'll mail everything to you. I don't trust LabCorp. Sorry, I just don't. I actually did my stool with LabCorp and with Parasites.org. Same stool, sent them off. LabCorp came back negative. Parasites.org came back with crypto. So I don't trust the full system. But unfortunately, most doctors don't um, believe Parasites.org. So your insurance company is probably not going to pay for anything. And that becomes the problem. Anyway. If you're still feeling yucky or nothing happened, it's like $250 to get your stool tested. And they test 35 different worms and parasites. And it's all they do all day. They get stool. They look at it under a microscope, multiple different types, multiple different samples So when I trained LabCorp people, so this is how I know that LabCorp does what they do because I worked in academia and I ran 25 healthcare colleges for DeVry and I was a professor. So I trained lab people. I trained medical assistants, medical billing, coding, and pharmacy. So I trained all these people. So I know they only get three minutes to spend on stool. And if for some reason, nothing comes up, they automatically mark it negative, but they put in the fine print that this is not guaranteeing you don't have a parasitic infection. It's just, we didn't see eggs or a worm at this time so that's the difference so they're not looking at it all day it's probably some 20 year old kid in the lab who just got out of school and he has three minutes to look at your stool and move past it but they're not saying that they've not getting paid enough yeah right exactly like maybe 13 dollars an hour and most doctors don't know when you're looking at blood work on a full moon is when you should get your blood work done And then have them look at it because the EOS in your blood is a clear indication you either have parasites, mold, or fungus growing in your body.
0: Okay, and that is a wrap on 2023's Best of Episodes. Uh, Thank you again for each one of you that listens each week, that shares on Facebook and Instagram that sends me dms that engages with me in the podcast you know as you can imagine sitting behind a microphone can be kind of lonely and so you are the number one reason that i keep doing this and please keep reaching out sending me guest ideas sharing the podcast rating um and just overall being an awesome listener thank you so much for your support and i look forward to what the hell we're gonna do with this in 2024 good luck Fishy slayers. If you're like me, your health matters, but life can get in the way. I completely get it. Meet sunlight and saunas, which is a game changer for your health. We used to put off getting an infrared sauna in my family and thinking it was going to be too pricey and complicated, but here's the deal. America needs to catch up on the whole sweating and detox routine. Infrared saunas do wonders for the immune system, detoxing, aging, sleep, and muscle recovery. And as a chiropractor, I've seen it help regulate nervous systems in patients in between their adjustments. So in 2023, my husband and I got serious about nervous system regulation, and he dove into cold plunges. I tried it, not going to lie, didn't like it at all. I would rather spend 20 minutes in a cozy sauna than two minutes in ice water. So after tons of research, I chose sunlight and saunas for our home. We have the Amplify 2 in Basswood, and it is perfect. The goal is to bring this into our clinics in 2024 as well, expanding patient health journeys without more manpower and of course, bringing in some more revenue. For She Slays listeners, snag up to $600 off Asana and here's the bonus, it stacks on top of any Sunlighten discount that they also have going. Just go to get.sunlighten.com forward slash or hit the link below to request your pricing guide and fellow chiropractors, practice what you preach, invest in your health. Now let's get back to today's episode. I'd like to take a moment to thank one of our primary sponsors of the podcast, Insight CLA. The Insight tech moves the message off the spine and into the nervous system where the magic of the adjustments can be measured and tracked. Everyone from newborns to seniors are being scanned in my practice and in thousands of other practices like ours, so they can be examined and inspired to choose chiropractic care. It's like an instant referral machine because the scans are so visible and informative. Like what patient wouldn't want to know how their nervous system is performing? The staff at CLA are ready to take care of you and answer any questions you may have. They also have an incredible online academy that can help train everyone in the office and help them to feel confident on how to get perfect scans and how to interpret the results. We have been using the Insight technology in our clinics for over seven years now, and it is a complete game changer for conversion, retention, and patient education. Click the link below in the show notes as She Slays listeners get preferred pricing and hundreds of dollars off their purchase.